We are not using the oil for medicine, nor should one consider it as having magical properties. But the anointing with oil makes the prayer a more personal interaction with God. The anointing with oil is optional. The real power is God himself who heals. As the scripture tells us in James 5, 13 to 16, is any of you sick? They should call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will rise them, raise them up. If he has sinned or if she has sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Stephanie's going to share a little bit of her story today, a powerful message, and I just thought it was appropriate to introduce the anointing of oil after her message. I think we're going to do it from time to time in chapel from going forward. Uh, Stephanie London is the founder of the Stephanie London Foundation, an organization dedicated to supporting the fight against human trafficking through raising funds to rescue trafficking victims, provide aftercare, and pursue the prosecution of traffickers. So what Stephanie does through her artwork, through the proceeds from her art, she uses those proceeds to raise money so the organizations that are actually doing the day-to-day work of helping those find freedom from sex trafficking, she wants to alleviate the burden of them having to raise money, so she uses her art and her gifts and talents to do so on their behalf. After graduating from the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York, uh, she lived in New York for a short time, and she's going to tell a little bit about that period in her life, and uh, I, I ask that you pay attention to her story. Stephanie began capturing the beauty of each woman's most treasured dress, her wedding dress. Her paintings of these dresses have been showcased by some of the bridal industry's top names, including Kleinfeld and Get Married. In 2010, Stephanie began designing a line of wedding gowns whose proceeds go to organizations rescuing and rehabilitating women caught in the sex trafficking industry. And I, she is didn't want me to mention it, and she is so humble, but she actually has a very important meeting at Kleinfeld's tomorrow in regards to her wedding dress designs. Um, now, the guys in the room are like Kleinfeld's. They're just swimming in a pool of ignorance, I know, but uh, how many ladies in the congregation know what, see, there we go, all right, see, like more than half. So, um, so guys, she's promised you, she wanted me to tell the guys, please know she's not just going to be talking about wedding dresses, but after the 2 o'clock session today with the Center for Responsibility Industry, she'll stay in the cafe and talk about wedding dresses or art or anything you want to, want to talk about. Um, but I ask that you give her your full attention and hear about the power of God in her life and God's healing touch in her life. Will you please welcome Ms. Stephanie London. Thanks, Corey. Well, I'm delighted to be here today. I first came to ENC in 2009 and just really was struck by what a wonderful campus and just what a neat place this is. And love, Corey and Edie, have gotten to know them. You all are very blessed to have them here. So I want to share a little bit with you about my life that started post-college. I graduated from the University of Kansas, had a fine arts degree in painting, and then moved to New York and went to the Fashion Institute of Technology and studied design. And absolutely fell in love with New York City. So I... (laughs) That's all right. So I was done with school and just living and trying to figure out, okay, what's it going to look like to be an artist and be a designer and how does this all come together? And I had this great little apartment that I loved, had a great view. I could look out over the bay and see the Statue of Liberty. And so it was March. We'd had a really cold, snowy winter. The sunshine had finally come out. And I decided I was going to go up to the roof to read. 
So it's Saturday morning. So I was like, well, I'm going to clean my house a little bit first. So I'm scurrying around doing a few little things in the house. And I had an experience I've never had before. I can, I can to this day, this was almost 10 years ago. To this day, I could put my feet in the exact spot I was standing in my living room when this happened. The Lord washed over me with a scripture out of John 14. My peace I give you. Peace not from the world, but my peace I give you. And I went, okay. And then I just went on and finished doing my cleaning. And then a few minutes later, I crawled out my kitchen window to go up the fire escape. I lived on the fourth floor, and my buddy lived on the fifth floor, and he was in his kitchen window making breakfast, and we chit-chatted a little bit, bit. And then I kept going up to the roof, but I didn't make it. I was two rungs from the top of the roof when I fell. My hand slipped off, and I fell backwards over the rail, five stories to the ground. So to give you a little perspective on that, Corey, I'll just share this. Corey was telling me, they were telling his son Logan that I fell five stories, and he didn't think that was very far. They were trying to figure out what he was thinking, and he thought it was five story books. (laughs) So... That was pretty cute. So to to put that in perspective, five stories is about 60 feet. Um, Most people who fall at three stories die. And so it's definitely miraculous to have lived through it. When I fell, my friend Mike knew immediately that I had fallen, and he ran down to get to me. And I was behind two locked fences. I fell in the trash area of the restaurant on the first floor of my building. When he finally got to me, he found me on the ground right next to the open glass barrel trash cans of liquor bottles. I had just missed him. I have no recollection of this. I don't remember any of this. But I was awake, and we prayed together, and then I was taken off in the ambulance. So next thing I know, I wake up in the hospital, and I'm just in literally like this movie-like days, black and white people scurrying about. I can tell IVs are hooked up to me. I have no idea what's going on. I, I know I fell because I, I didn't lose consciousness until I started to fall backwards. And all I knew was John 14, my peace I give you. Peace not as the world gives, but my peace I give you. And that just washed over me. And I knew that God knew before it happened that it was about to happen. And I knew that I was in his hand. At this point, I had no idea if I was living or dying. I had no idea what injuries I had sustained, but there was a peace in my heart. The next time I woke up, it was to a doctor shoving a clipboard in front of me. So no one's briefed me, don't know what's wrong with me. This doctor shoves a clipboard and goes, Miss London, Miss London, I need you to sign this saying it's okay if I take your eye out if I get in there and it's not there. And I remember that as one of the quietest moments of my life. Like, all time stood still. I couldn't comprehend what he had said. I asked him to repeat it, and so he kept talking, but at this point I wasn't listening. And all I could think was, don't take it out. Just give God a chance to heal it. Just give God a chance to heal it. I also had the thought, I think I'm on morphine. Am I the best person to be making this decision right now? But I did find out later that my eye never showed up on the x-ray, and they didn't know until they got in there that, yes, it was still there, and they were able to salvage it. I am blind in my left eye. I lost my retina. But that is, that's really the only injury that I have long-term sustained. 
I broke my pelvis, so I spent months um, in a wheelchair and on crutches and going through rehab, and I had no internal organ damage, no brain damage that was diagnosed, though I have a fall that I can use an excuse anytime I forget anything. (laughs) So three weeks after my accident, I was released from the hospital. During those three weeks, my parents had come out to New York. I'm from Wichita, Kansas. That's where all my family is. So my parents had flown out, packed up my apartment, shipped stuff home, rented out my apartment. I get released from the hospital, taken directly to the airport, put on a plane, and taken to my parents' home in Kansas. I loved New York. I was not happy. (laughs) And so I found myself, 26 years old, totally broken, having no idea if I would have a normal life again, not understanding what that would look like, because I'm 26 years old living at home, unable to work, and I would go to bed at night and just cry out to the Lord for healing, because there were two things I really wanted. I wanted to see again, and I wanted, I wanted to be in New York. My heart was broken, and I realized over the months of crying out to God to heal my eye and to give me vision, that, that the injury I sustained far greater than that was a broken heart. It was about a year after my accident when I was asked to share my story for the first time. And so I was sharing with a post-college group at my church. There are about 80 people in the room and sharing some, a lot of the details that I left out about the accident and how God came through. And he, I mean, my family can trace details in our lives more than a year prior to my accident that prepared my family members to be able to handle it and be ready for that. So I was sharing this story and I looked up and all of a sudden I saw all 80 people as broken hearts, just like my heart was broken. And I realized we all have different stories, but we've all been through trauma in life. Every culture, every tribe, every tongue, it doesn't matter where you're from, when we're broken, we all bleed red. And I had had this vision of my heart. I knew I was in God's hand. I knew I was in God's hand from the beginning, John 14. But I I had this picture of my heart in God's hand, and it was broken in a million pieces and just dripping with blood. And here here I was in Kansas, and people would come up to me and go, oh, we're so thankful you're alive. We're so thankful you're back home. And I'm thinking, my heart's broken. Yes, it's a miracle that I'm alive. My heart's broken because home to my heart's in New York. God, like, ripped me out of New York and dropped me pretty literally in the middle of nowhere. Wichita's a city in the middle of thousands of miles of farmland. And so I have this broken, bleeding heart inside me, feeling like all people can see is that, oh, I'm finally off crutches, or, you know, I'm feeling good enough to go out and begin to do a little painting again. But no one can see the real wound The deep, deep wound is the one of my heart. And so I kept going to God, crying out for healing. And slowly over time, this picture I would see of my heart in his hand, it would, the the blood quit dripping. And a little time later, it scabbed over. And a little time later, the pieces began to meld back together. But 
I had realized when we have a broken heart, when life's traumas wound us, some of us go through inevitable accidents, car wrecks and crazy stories and just things that no one could ever foresee coming. Others of us are injured by people that love us the most, were abandoned, were neglected, were abused. And we end up with these broken hearts and we have two options. We either take that heart to the foot of the cross and find healing through the blood of Jesus, or we take that heart and we pull it in and we self-protect and we put up walls of defense and we find ourselves caught in all kinds of bondage. The only way to defend a broken heart is to numb it. And so some of us, we love the church and we love Jesus, but we find ourselves caught in sins that we don't want anything to do with, eating disorders, addictions. But our heart's broken and we don't know what to do with it. And somehow we're getting a numbing gratification out of a bondage. It's really just killing, sucking the life out of us. But it's allowing us to function. And so as I was preparing to come today, Corey was asking me a couple times, Stephanie, what are you going to speak on? And I said, well, I'll give my testimony, but I'm not sure. Because normally when I give my testimony, I talk about beauty and restoration of life and how God brings beauty and restoration through brokenness. And I said, but Corey, I just, I don't feel like that's the message God has for ENC. And I begin to see this banner of freedom was the word written over it. Freedom. I believe that there is freedom today. I believe that Jesus wants to encounter your heart and bring a healing balm to those broken places, to those deepest wounds, bring wholeness. Um, I do, as Corey said, we, we, he's going to pray for anointing when we're done, and, and I want to pray over hearts here in a little bit, but I also want to just share a couple of points that I think are, are really practical ways, because it's, it's easy. We, all, we know we're broken. We know we're broken. We're either broken on our face before Jesus, or we're broken because our life is numb and we're in bondage. And so I think it's really important that we recognize that there are some tools, there are some things we have to do to break free from this. And according to Romans 8, if you have died in Christ, you are dead to sin. The power, Christ died, and when he died, he died for sin once for all. So if we are under the blood of Jesus, sin can no longer have the power to reign in our mortal bodies. If you haven't accepted Christ, you kind of just have to put up with the sin because you don't have the power in the spirit to overcome it. But when you're in the blood, it's, it's a spiritual power that transcends any flesh. And Romans also, it, it talks about part of the way we do this, part of the way we live in this power that has already been given to us is to focus our mind on the things of Christ. And I have found it this to be really, really important in my life. When I first really started digging deep into healing, I started discovering my normal was wake up every morning, go to the mirror, and start 
saying things about myself that I didn't like. I didn't even know I did it. It was just like my normal thought pattern, negative thoughts. And then I realized every one of those was a lie. And I think there are some of you in this room today that need to break some lies off of your life. You think that your iPads and your cell phones are of greater worth than you are yourself. So I know this sounds silly, but some of you really, you need to start going to the mirror every morning and telling yourself the exact opposite of what you're used to saying. You, I, and you can do it out loud. You go and you say, you're beautiful. Jesus, thank you for my nose. I have a cute nose. Maybe you hate your nose. You know what? God says you are perfect and you are lovely and you are chosen and you're my favorite one. And it is time that we come into agreement with Jesus. Because when we do that, we have the power to conquer all death and all sin and all brokenness. Another tool I found to be really, really helpful for me, a friend taught me this. I come before the Lord, and for me personally, I love to worship. That's really when I, I feel like I can come into the presence of God and be in the presence of the Spirit. And I'll just come before the Lord, and I'll ask him this one question. Jesus, shine the cross on my heart. Jesus, Holy Spirit, come shine the cross on my heart. Because I learned when, when the Holy Spirit comes and shines the cross on your heart, all darkness and all brokenness shines in the light. God will begin to reveal to you the areas that he wants to heal and set you free from. Um, I'm, I'm going to read Romans 6.6. 6. It says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We no longer are slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So I want to go ahead and pray before Corey comes up for anointing, and I, I want to pray over our hearts. I want to pray over those hearts that have been abused and wounded and neglected, and I want to pray over those hearts that are just broken from the disappointments of life. So I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come, for his presence to come dwell here, and for him to begin to minister to the broken, wounded places of your heart. Lord, we, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that your presence brings peace. Holy Spirit, would you come show us what the Father is doing today? Break off the chains. Break off the chains. I believe some people in this room today are going to leave with addictions broken off. 
So Holy Spirit, we thank you for your healing power. And we call forth that the chains be broken, that those addicted to porn would walk out of here with no more addiction, that those addicted to eating disorders and self-deprecation would walk out whole and healed. Those addicted to drama, to lies and manipulation and the intrigue of that. Father, turn their hearts to Jesus. Addictions to alcohol, go in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask that you would just pour your healing balm over the hearts of all the ones broken who were abused by fathers and family members. Lord, we know your heart cries out and you are broken over them as well. We know that that was not your intention for their life. We know that you bring healing and hope in those deep wounds. And for each of you that have been deeply wounded, I want you to know that does not have to define your past or your future. You can stand up today and say, I break this cycle off from my family. I will come to the foot of the cross and find healing. There will be no more bondage that manipulates in my family line, in my life. So as we continue in prayer, Heavenly Father, before we go to this time of prayer and anointing with oil for those who wish to come forward, we thank you, Lord, that we serve a God that can heal in a moment. We serve a God that can heal in a moment and break free addictions in a moment. We believe that you can do that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, sometimes the healing process is a journey as well. Stephanie has so beautifully articulated that for her the healing of her heart was a journey but we thank you for her family and her church and others that were around her to support her in the healing journey so may we be a community that those who want the healing to begin may we be a community that supports and encourages and loves and looks out for and watches each other's back May each student know that we are here for them, whether that be the chaplain's office or the counseling center or a professor. We are here to journey with them. So let the healing begin in the name of Jesus, we pray. Whether that be a moment or whether that be a journey, we trust in you. So before I dismiss this community, if anyone wants to come forward for prayer and to be anointed with oil and to be prayed over, please come forward at this time and just stand here in front of the altar or stand in the aisle. Will you just come forward now? 
If you want to be healed and experience freedom in Christ Jesus, come forward now. Heavenly Father, as we move into this time of prayer, of anointing, and praying for these students, I pray your blessing and anointing upon them. Pray for your healing waters to flow in every area of their life. And in a moment, your healing waters can bring new life in a moment. And, and healing waters can bring the beginning of a growth journey. So we pray for that journey. We pray for that healing now in the name of Jesus. Be glorified, we pray. Students that have come forward, we will get to you and anoint you. Just be patient, and then feel free to stay and pray as, you like, as long as you like. To the rest of the community, you are dismissed. Please go quietly, respect and reverence to those who have asked for prayer.